0: if a company is treating its employees terribly they're going to run out of workers eventually people are going to quit people are going to find better employers and they're going to lose they're going to lose getting the best talent and being able to become an innovative company
1: Hi guys, welcome. This is your host, Robin Copernicus, and we are joined by another visionary founder, Mary Claire, who is working on an app, a Chrome extension called Cluey Consumer, which helps people learn a little bit more about the ethics behind each of these brands and how they, they source their information or, or how they're actually in business. Mary Claire, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thanks for having me, Robin.
1: Yeah, so for those that don't know about Cluey Consumer, can you please share a little bit more about what this is and what you're working on?
0: Sure. So I started Cluey Consumer last year when I was just totally fed up with recognizing that a lot of times my purchases are out of sync with whatever my personal values are. And oftentimes I'll find out about that because of a news headline about a particular brand or its parent company and their corporate practices after I've already purchased that brand and developed my consumer loyalty towards that brand. And so I realized that there was a huge opportunity to have a streamlined, centralized, and really user-friendly way to identify those impacts behind brands before you make a purchase. And I wanted to empower the other consumers out there like me who care a whole lot about Uh, those issues to be able to see that before they buy and then collectively direct their consumer power to influence brands to do better
1: how does how does this app work what's like the revenue model so i understand that the benefits are you're helping you know people just learn more about the companies that they're buying from right because on your website you mentioned that buying from a company is like voting with your dollars and with this platform you're going to be able to give people more of a voice so you can see like a better future but how does that actually work in terms of making making money, getting some revenue and, and having a viable business model.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that values based shopping, and when I say values, values as it relates to things outside of your typical consumer considerations, such as price and product efficacy. But values based shopping is really becoming a new thing. And I would say it's been spearheaded greatly by the younger generations of consumers, such as the millennials and Gen Z generations of consumers. And corporations are now recognizing that they have to respond to that new consumer set. Whether it's becoming more vocal on social issues or whether it's changing their practices in terms of how they impact the environment or whether it's recognizing that the transparency behind their political contributions might come back to bite them. Corporations are recognizing that this is now part of the consumer purchasing, consumer decision-making process when purchasing. And if enough consumers are acting, then that can significantly change a corporation's bottom line. And that ultimately obviously affects the shareholders. So it becomes a very top of mind priority for corporations. And so as a result of that, put simply, the way that we will eventually make money, we're not making money right now, but the way that we will eventually monetize is by corporations paying us, Cluey, to listen to the message that consumers are trying to send them. And so basically what happens when you are searching for a product, and let's say it's toilet paper brand, and you're choosing between brand A and brand B, and you find out that brand A, which you've been buying for years is out of sync with your values in one way or another, you can not only select brand B as an alternative, and we can record that behavior shift and behavior changes in that back to brand A and brand B, but you can also share your sentiments anonymously. And this, all of this is aggregated. So it's user data, ultimately, that's anonymized and aggregated, sold back to the corporations in order to try and incentivize them to move the needle towards uh, a direction that fits what their larger, just part of their consumer base once. So we've seen this a lot with corporations making, like I said, big stances in the last couple of years, and they're not just doing that because they wanna feel good. I'm sure that's certainly a, a nice add-on, but really the reason why they're doing it is because they recognize that their consumer demographic base is shifting and the things that they care about are shifting as well. And so we're just here to empower that feedback loop between consumer and brand.
1: Okay. So essentially, Clue Consumer is a data company. You're collecting data and then that data will be monetized by corporations so they can make better decisions on how to reach out to their customers.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we want to make sure that we're very transparent with our um, consumers up front. And that's why we have that feedback sharing mechanism or sen- sentiment sharing mechanism. Obviously, consumers can opt out of sharing sentiments if they don't want to share their sentiments. But a huge reason why consumers would use this tool beyond just like wanting to choose a better product that's you know suited for them is because they want to actually they want their changes to have an impact at their decisions and consumer behavior changes to have an impact and the best way they can do that is through sending a message. Obviously we've seen an explosion of consumer sentiment across occur across social media platforms. This just takes those uh, moments and puts it towards a way more tangible impact because corporations can see, wow, this person's not only telling me that they don't like what they see or they do what they see, but they're actually shifting their buying behavior as a result of it. Again, anonymized and aggregated, but that's how we're hoping to move the needle for corporations and to make the world a bit of a better place.
1: Yeah, I, I, I can actually sense a little worry because you're collecting data. And anytime we're collecting data, it makes you know someone feel uh, you know like you're taking something from them. But this business model is a little bit different, right? Because it's not like you're unknowingly collecting data. You're actually collecting data from people who want to contribute that data. So it's a little bit different.
0: Exactly. We help our consumers or we help our users send a message to corporations in the most impactful way that they possibly can. And I would say that the... Narrative around user data exchange is completely shifting. Obviously, you have the situations with your Facebook and your Googles of the world where there are these huge incumbent tech giants who are completely having to overhaul their infrastructure in terms of how they protect their user data. And rightfully, I don't, I never joined Facebook because I wanted optimized ads for swimsuits that I'm buying. I joined Facebook because I wanted to have a connection with people around me. And then their business model over time morphed into something completely different. And ultimately I feel is like a very like personalized and creepy insight into my personal data. Whereas other new age tech, tech players like Honey, for example, or Grammarly, or all of these new tech players that have these awesome extension add-ons are creating a different dynamic in the in the like negotiation exchange between user for their data so with honey you save money and as a result of saving money you're okay with giving up your data to that extension with grammarly they make you look smart and intelligent by helping to correct the grammar and everything that you're typing and as a result that value is enough for you as a user that you're willing to let grammarly have at, at insight and access to everything you type into everywhere with Pluey, again ours is the the exchange of values to help you feel a little bit better when you go to bed at night uh, knowing that you're buying products that are aligned with your values and that your your consumer activism is actually making an impact and again anonymized and aggregated data. We want to make sure that we're approaching it in the most ethical possible way of exchanging that data back to corporations.
1: Okay. yeah, Mary Claire, so you mentioned that you're not making revenue yet. You still have this data collection process to do. Where are you with Cluey Consumer?
0: Yeah, so we are technically still right now at this moment when this podcast airs and uh, I guess a week or so it might be quite different but right now we are still pre-product and pre-revenue so we have not yet officially launched we are in our developer and team testing phase right now of our new product and then we'll be in beta testing next week and then a couple of weeks after that we'll be in a public launch anyone can come onto our app and start exploring the brands that they buy create a profile say what values they care about most and then start to build their house for household portfolio to see their
1: impact. Okay. I actually have two founders in my accelerator program who are like super socially aware and they're going to love your app. Uh, One of them is Tess. Yeah. She's working on like an eco-conscious bikini. And I actually looked at your blog on Cluey Consumer. So so you had all this different information about greenwashing 101, et cetera. And it looks like you've actually been publishing a lot of content for about a year now.
0: Yeah. So, well, I was just going to say, yeah, we've been publishing for about a year and Technically on the product front too, we did release an early stage prototype. It's no longer available on the app store, but one of the things that I wanted to do personally before I committed my own personal resources and time into starting a company is I wanted to make sure that there was actual product market fit and that I was not the only person who wanted this, but that there truly were other people who would be willing to change their consumer behaviors based on their personal values. So we actually took advantage of the fact that there is an upcoming election in the US to launch just a portion of the product And we did that where basically any brand of a product that you could buy in, say, a Walgreens or Kroger, like your drugstore or grocery store trip, we showcased the political contributions behind those brands parent companies so it was a it was apolitical in the way that we were showcasing in the information we weren't saying oh don't buy from these brands or buy from these brands we were allowing the users to just use that information as they wish but it was really cool to see our early adopters react to that it was a very limited release so only about 600 downloads but 98 percent of our users were repeat users and when we got to talk to our users and interview them those early adopters they Talked about the fact that they would use Cluey as almost a ritual part of their weekly grocery trip for them from then on out because those seemingly trivial decisions like which wheat bread brand do I want to buy today and you have hundred options in the bread aisle um, you know was made a little bit easier because they they were extremely politically motivated, especially at that time. And it was interesting to see, too, with that early stage prototype, our downloads spiked on election week over Thanksgiving, which is when political discussions around the dinner table are usually pretty high and and sometimes tense, and then surrounding January 6th. And what that made me realize, in addition to all of the qualitative information we were gathering from our users, was that our target consumer and user had a deep emotional need and want to start making an impact in any way that they possibly could, especially during times of conflict or times of tension, And so with so many issues affecting our world today as it relates to the uh, environment and social issues, this is truly a tangible opportunity for people to uh, make an impact. And then, of course, as you mentioned, we were publishing content as well to try and grow our users, our user base in terms of helping them become more informed about the world around them, especially the corporate products, corporate consumer products around them.
1: America that 's actually pretty amazing that you were able to get six hundred people on your Chrome extension right away I actually want to ask you questions about your customer acquisition strategy and you might be noticing i 'm actually um, tearing up for the people that can 't see the video i 'm actually tearing up because I am facing this large window and the sun is just so bright and like I feel like I need some sunglasses or something Any, I should probably go get that. Let me give me one moment. And then now when someone tunes in, they're like, why is this guy wearing sunglasses indoors? It could be a funny little. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. So, so Mary Claire, so you had 600 users on this kind of like experiment when you did your first beta launch. How did you get those 600 people onto your Chrome? We
0: didn't do any significant paid advertising at all. It was mostly through word of mouth and organic growth, obviously originating from my personal network but then growing from there and it was really interesting because there were some folks who I you know would have never thought of where a good friend of mine would tell me that his mom who was really fired up around election time was just obsessed with using this app all the time and she would take it with her everywhere she went. And so it was great to see that it was just getting this organic traction, obviously because it was related to a very tense moment in our, in the US political history. But I think that those moments will only, like I said, In terms of people looking for outlets for action i think that's only going to continue and it's not a fad and for me when on my investor journey when i did start to raise some funds because i couldn't keep bootstrapping it all by myself one of the things that i thought was really interesting was that there are clearly like two types of investor conversations i would have the types of investors who got it and the types of investors who didn't get it and the investors who didn't get it they're always like yeah But I'm just not really sure or convinced that people are actually going to change their buying behavior um, because of this stuff. And I was like, you're literally talking to somebody right now who is explaining to you that this was her founding story as to why she was doing it. And and there are so many other people who, who wanted to just make a change. And the smallest, seemingly, like I said, most trivial way possible. But if you combine those small daily actions collectively across millions of consumers, that's Shaping that's influencing systemic change at a macro level by moving the needle on a company's bottom line.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So right now, you've already done this beta test. You you've done some user interviews, and you've you're now shifting from this kind of like political space to this more socially conscious space, which I guess includes a political space as well. Sure. Um, What's going on with this shift? Like, where is the direction right now you said you were launching soon correct
0: mm-hmm. yeah we're launching really soon um, the shift was that we went from just political impacts to adding people and planet impacts on top of that and for those two areas the way that we're displaying those impacts so on the political impacts again it's just saying of the million dollars contributed by procter and gamble for example over the last three federal election cycles x percent was given to democratic candidates from the democrats and then why percent was given to Republicans. So very, like I said, non or very just like objective portrayal of that information and not trying to make a stance either way. On the people and planet impacts, we're actually showing a score, an A through F score. And the way that we have created the score, it's, it's a proprietary algorithm that we've built in house. That basically takes from third party data sources, extremely reputable data sources, such as ESG impact ratings, assessments, and other similar type models to related to. Stakeholders on either the environment or social stakeholders for a company, and then creating a score that's based on measuring a company's transparency, current results, and commitments to change. And so, why are we doing a score here and actually making some sort of a stance? The reason why is because we feel that the evidence that we're showcasing or making more transparent here is simply more empirical and that it does have provide like material risk to a company. And that's the whole concept behind ESG, by the way, is that. If a company is treating its employees terribly, they're going to run out of workers eventually. People are going to quit. People are going to find better employers and they're going to lose They're going to lose getting the best talent and being able to become an innovative company. So that's what we're doing with People and Planet Impacts is we're actually showing a letter grade rating. And then we're showing a few other things as well, such as recent news, alternative products, affinity tags. So for example, if you want to buy from a woman owned brand or if you want to buy from brands that are solely made in the U.S. or whatever it is that you personally care about, we're um, identifying a couple of tags. But again, those things don't necessarily impact people or planet. It could be a woman-owned brand. That doesn't necessarily mean it's better for people or planet. So people and planet are specifically um, areas that are pulling from those highly reputable third-party data sources, like I've said.
1: Okay. Okay. Where do you see Cluey Consumer 12 months from now?
0: 12 months from now, so I've been and obviously thinking about this space constantly. It's all I think about from a professional standpoint, of course. There's something I think called I can't remember the exact term, but it's like proximity where you feel like everything that is about the world that you do, like you're just popping up everywhere you go. An example of this from like a psychological standpoint would be like if you're an an optometrist and you fit eyeglasses, you help people get their eyeglasses fit, and you walk into a a DMV waiting room, you're going to notice everyone's eyeglasses in that room because that's what you do. So it's like constantly invading your like, you know, awareness. So for me, I feel like I'm seeing... This stuff everywhere, but I really do think that this is starting to change the narrative across across you know the landscape. And the reason why I think that is because people in my life who maybe were slightly more like the apathetic side of the scale—they definitely fit to the sure this stuff is cool, but I'm not going to really change my behavior. And then there's of course the really passionate people who are like, I'll do anything to help this thing or this other thing that I care about. But the folks who are a little bit more like didn't care as much have been starting to hit me up with news articles about how ESG is changing the investing world and how conscious consumerism is changing the way that corporations are responding to major issues. This is starting to become on our entire nation's psyche more than it ever has been before. I think 2020 was a huge reason for that. It was such a watershed year for so many issues. But this is also something that you can see the writing on the wall of it too, because in places like in the European region, for example, they've been pretty consciously aware of their environmental impacts for a while as a consumer population. And it's been different across different regions of the globe. So the U.S. just needed its moment, its watershed moment for a lot of these things to come to the forefront. And I think that's been the case. So in a year's time, I hope that Cluey Consumer is the go-to, uh, go-to product for consumers who are joining this movement at an extremely rapid pace. And once that becomes the case, we can build from there in terms of how we are a go-to product for so many other sectors of people's lives as well. Employers, being able to provide a resource to them for how they can do better, for investors as well, being able to license and partner with other popular investing apps so that way our data can be leveraged for investors to start investing more consciously as well so there's so many opportunities once we get these wheels turning and uh, like i said i think the luckily for cluey like the window of opportunity is open on the consumer front
1: yeah most definitely what does it mean for a cluey consumer to be the go-to platform in 12 months
0: so information integrity has to be paramount. And uh, as long as that is, that, that can't be, that just can't be messed with, period. So we're going to constantly be refining our uh, methodology behind our people and planet impact ratings. We're gonna constantly be refining our data partners and who we're pulling our data sources from. So we wanna stay really cutting edge as a thought leader and as a participant in this new age of impact, like corporate-based impact measurements. So that's the first thing, is absolutely have to keep information integrity paramount. The other thing is we have to be able to be a resource for our users to go on this journey. So I'm from New Orleans originally, lived in New York and I was working for CNN as a journalist. In 2013, that was during the Michael Brown shooting, and we were covering a lot of the 2013 era Black Lives Matter protests at the time. So my whole like viewpoint of the world shifted greatly because of the experiences I was having in my life. Then I moved to San Francisco, and I was working for a corporate and investment research firm out there. I thought I had always cared about the planet, but then when I moved to the West Coast, I realized how much more I could be doing at the individual level, and that's just because that's part of the culture out west. So my consumer journey, I feel like, has definitely progressed over time based on the experiences that I've had and where I've lived and and users and consumers across the country are starting to experience different experiences and learn about different things as it relates to their consumer impact. So we want to meet consumers where they're at as an information tool as well. And that means like being able to speak in layman's terms about this stuff. Sometimes when there's other players out there who are trying to measure this, they're approaching it like from a way to a I don't know if I I wouldn't know the, I can't think of the right word, but like way to maybe scientifically of a way to where the the way it's communicated back to the user is a bit too confusing. And the whole point is that we need to meet consumers where they're at. So that way they can learn and then continue to grow based on whatever it is they care about. And that's the other thing is every consumer has a unique set of values. Uh, So we're not here to try and dictate or say what way you should be acting. If you really just want to use our app to find brands made in the US, go for it. If you really want to use our app to to align it with your very unique niche set of values, that's fine. Go for it. The power of our app is that collectively it shows where the national psyche is on some of these values-based purchasing habits.
1: Okay. In in 12 months for Cluey Consumer to be the go-to platform, how many users are using this app at this point and how much data have you been have you collected? And are you making revenue?
0: Um, not sure about the revenue piece. I want to be knocking on the door of 100,000 users. I think that's a sizable threshold. When you think about the fact that the under 44 digital consumer group in the US is 83.5 million people, getting to that 100,000 milestone is going to be significant enough to where it starts to compound its own growth through word of mouth. And it also follows along some other growth trajectories of other apps, completely different model, you know, different missions than Cluey, but targeted similar demographics. So, um, that's the goal we're looking at from a user standpoint. We'll see if we get there, all the spreading the word as much as possible is what we hope for. And then in terms of monetizing, of course, the, the user side of the data that helps to make these changes possible, but also looking to license the brand side of our data as well. So we'll be exploring that in the course of the next 12 months. It would be great to be able to start monetizing, but again, because information integrity is our number one priority and our users are our number one priority, that's going to be, those things have to wait just so that way we can make sure everything is uh, moving smoothly on those priority areas first. In
1: in terms of getting 100,000 users in 12 months, what kind of strategies are you doing to acquire those users right now?
0: sure the standard activities we'll be certainly rolling out some paid advertising we'll be looking to not just roll out paid advertising on your social media platforms but also on relevant blogs um, newsletters trying to again find where our target demographic user exists and meeting them there and finding them in that moment of frustration when they're realizing oh i just learned about my favorite sweatshirt brand is doing this thing that I don't I don't agree with. Now, what am I going to do? So finding them in those moments of frustration, I think is the best place. The other thing that I'm really excited about is we are really going for um, like a multiplier user nurturing strategy. So what I mean by multiplier user are the users who are going to be most likely to be excited about this and go home and tell their, you know, spouse or their partner or their a social network about Cluey. So the way that we're looking to target some of those folks is through employee resource groups at at corporations. So at my last job, I was part of our women's initiative network where our whole mission was how can we progress female leadership in the workplace. And the people who take on these kind of extracurriculars at work, when they already have a full-time job, it's pretty impressive that they're looking to make changes in the organizations that they're in, they're most likely also the types of people who are going to be outside of work, still trying to make changes in every way they possibly can in their everyday lives to enact change. Those are the types of individuals we're looking to reach out to and nurture directly one-on-one to see if we can demo in front of them and their social circles. And then, like I said, grow from there. So a couple of different strategies.
1: Okay, amazing. Is there anything that you would like any... people to know about Cluey Consumer, about what you're working on that we haven't covered.
0: I think this is, I think a lot of people have experienced a a lot of frustration over the last Couple of years for a variety of reasons. We've been going through a global pandemic, of course, but I think there's been this itching for action and an itching for action beyond the surface level of social media, social media posting and reading and whatnot. And so I think this allows people to really walk the walk behind the values that they've been talking to talk about for these last this last year and a half. And in a, in a sm- seemingly small way, of course, but I really just don't want to discount that individual behavior can be the driver to massive change. And I think often individual changes are pushed out or drowned out because of the need for systemic change. And I totally get that. But I guess my point is that in order for systemic change to happen, you need the masses to really be saying that out loud. And so hopefully I think that's my biggest you know, goal is that people see this as a tool to be a like massive collective messaging tool to, to corporate impacts.
1: All right. And Mary-Claire, where can people learn more about Cluey Consumer and yourself?
0: Sure. They can go to ChloeConsumer.com. Right now, like I said, we have our wait list that you can sign up for since we're not fully launched to the public. You can also check us out on Product Hunt if you want to see a demo video of what the product will look like once it's released. And through that, you can actually get access to our product as a beta user. And then if they want to learn more about me, I'm a big LinkedIn user. I recently got on Twitter. I'm not a very good tweeter, to be honest. Uh, So if anyone has any good tips, wrong answers only for me on Twitter, I welcome those as well. But LinkedIn is like usually my more active space on a personal level.
1: I I like LinkedIn as well. I've been having a lot of fun with the the polls recently. Have you tried those?
0: Oh, I have seen other people use them. They're very cool. I want to I definitely want to get into that. I think LinkedIn has a really cool platform overall. I, I, I just think it's sometimes a more refreshing social media space for me to be in than some of the others.
1: Yeah, so you mentioned you have a waitlist. How are you getting people um, to sign up for the waitlist right now?
0: So all of our early prototype users are on that waitlist automatically from staying engaged with us on our journey thus far. We've been trying to grow our followers across our social media platforms organically by posting engaging and informative content and getting waitlist users from that. And then additionally, let's see where else product on, as I mentioned. And then, you know, we've also started recently testing some of our paid ad messaging to see what's going to, what's going to motivate people to really want to click through our ads to come learn about Cluey. And we were testing the messaging behind more of an inspirational, every purchase you make changes the world messaging versus like the, we must act now in whatever way we can, more like sense of urgency uh, messaging. This, the latter seems to be appealing to folks more. So we're getting a few weightless signups through our paid ad tests as well. At the moment.
1: Nice. So there's actually three different sources of traffic. There's paid traffic, organic traffic and partnership traffic with the employees or, or the companies. And I guess you mentioned like there's like these women initiative, employee resources and groups. So that would be like partnership traffic. It's a great way to start getting traffic paid traffic part. This is a little bit tricky when you're starting to test out messages. When you test out messages, it can get really expensive. Some of the things that some of the founders that I know that they're doing is instead of testing it out with paid ads, they test it out organically. And then after they get a message that converts, we actually build a system called a self-perpetuating ad where we launch paid ads that pay for themselves. So you're like getting free lead generation on autopilot. I I don't know if that helps or not yeah
0: that's cool um, through your platform, you do that
1: yeah so through the, the founders in the vertical liftoff program in the yeah in the final week, we have this uh program where we teach people how to build a self perpetuating ad where very they get cool. lead generation. Yeah.
0: very cool. Yeah. I'd love to learn more about it, <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Mary Claire, thank you so much for joining us. You are one of the founding episodes. I'm going to try to blow this episode up as much as possible, especially because you are such a heart-centered entrepreneur. You are such a heart-centered founder. A lot of people, they're not thinking about the future in terms of creating a better future for ourselves and creating this impact. You're actually doing this. And the entire conversation, it wasn't about the money. It was really about the impact. And I just love that. And I, you know, can't wait to see you succeed hey guys this is robert copernicus wanting to talk about a few special things i have going on right now one of the most difficult problems founders hope to solve is to get traction for their startup vcs won't even look at pistex anymore without this crucial element but why is getting traction so hard Getting your first 100 customers should not be difficult. If you want 100 signups for your startup in 30 days or less before you even launch your MVP, check out my book Minimal Viable Mockup at minimalviablemockup.com or at mvmbook.com. And if you want a hands-on bootcamp to help you get to 100 customers and build out a high-converting sales funnel, learn more about the 3-hour Minimal Viable Mockup Bootcamp at mvmbootcamp.com. And finally, if you are a serial founder with a successful business generating six or seven figures in revenue and scared you can lose it all at any moment book a call with me and my team at launchwithrobin.com to learn how you can launch your next startup with our operating system that helps you build an empire so you never have to worry about pivoting again again those links are mvmbook.com mvmbootcamp.com and launchwithrobin.com